In the grand theater of life, we all seek a comeback, a resurgence, a rekindling of our inner fire. But how do we spark that flame? Welcome to Reignite Resilience. This is not just another podcast. This is a journey, a venture into the heart of human spirit, the power of resilience, and the art of reigniting our passions. Welcome back to part two of our two-part interview with Rod Clough. We are so excited to dive right back in to hear how Rod took the opportunity to pivot during the pandemic to ensure that he was maintaining the culture within his organization. We can't fight what's actually happening in the world or the direction of the world is what he's shared with us. So let's see how he's done that. We hope you enjoy. One of the things I know that when I was reading your bio, the strong culture that you've created. Yeah. So how are you, what are you trying to do or what are you working on to try to keep that culture that you've created when people are now working from home? Are there things that you've done or? Yeah. So we've launched some new things. We have in the virtual space, we have a monthly that's turned into like every other month, a coffee shop that we open virtually every, it's like the third Thursday of every other month. And so we've done that. We do layer on a lot of different activities throughout the year so people can feel connected and part of the organization. We do a community service event once a year, which is an idea I actually stole from the group real estate. It's the Beyond Your Limits challenge. I have adopted that at HVS. So we do a Beyond Your Limits. We do first Fridays we have in the summer, we do picnics. So we pull everybody in in their different locations to do a first Friday picnic at lunch. We still have our big annual meeting. We did have to delay the meeting a bit in 2024 because of budgetary constraints. So we're going to have it later on in the year. But I have always done a big meeting and invest heavily in that and make it a lot of fun. And it's our big bonding experience that really carries us through for a good portion of the year. So I think investing in those experiences for people. Last year, I did a, I love Franklin Covey. They do really good training on how to manage your time and how to set goals and that type of thing. I've just connected to them early on and and I really love what they do. And so we did a course for, I think, 15 to 20 of our new employees last, it's been a while now, but it was about a year ago. We did a meeting in Vegas. And so I brought everybody into... Vegas for two nights, a day meeting. We did one of the shows at Caesars. We did a really nice dinner, made it a lot of fun. And those experiences like really bond. We had another meeting in Cancun. So being in the travel industry, like us going out and traveling and supporting hotels, it makes sense. It gets people out of their homes. But then when people go home, there's also a balance. I should say there's a fine line between doing too much and then doing too little. And that's something I've really worked hard on over the course of the past 10 years is just figuring out what's kind of just right for 80% of the people. Like there's always going to be 10% that think that it's not enough. And there's going to be 10% that think that it's too much. But as long as I'm hitting on the 80 that are like, okay, yeah, this is just right for me. Also just accepting and celebrating the fact that people really love just spending time outside of work with people that they love and their own personal priorities. So Work hard when you're with me and then turn the computer off and play hard however you want to play, I think is great. And so we we just have to work hard to kind of find that balance and let people know that 
a lot of it's optional. Mm-hmm. So they don't want like the, the virtual coffee shop is totally optional. And we only have maybe six or seven people out of the many, many people here dial into the coffee shop. But just knowing the coffee shop's available is half of it, you know, or more than half of it that, okay, yeah, if I need to connect with somebody, I can today. But most of the time they're like, no, I'm good. I was just at my Pilates class or I have my family thing tonight. I just want to get my work done and turn off the computer and and get to it. Yeah. A lot of times it's just the act of being invited to something. They've been invited. They feel like they're significant. They're important. And totally done that. And so I love the idea, you know, these companies that are pivoting and not having office spaces because more people are working from home spending some of that money they're not spending on the rent That's right. to That's right. reinvest it in that culture and making sure that that's kept strong because that's what will keep us moving forward. I think the companies that stop doing both, I think that those are the ones that are going to really struggle through this time. I think so too. Yeah. It heightens the importance of so many things, like which is good for team members. It heightens the importance of career planning and making sure people understand that there's a path and what does that path look like? Because there's no talk around the, the water cooler anymore. And so one neat thing that we did that came up through an idea from one of my leaders in Washington was this idea of having their calls. The groups are called not another business call group. And every title level in the organization is part of a group. And so it's none of their managers are in the call. So all of the junior, junior associates have a regular call and then the mid-level associates and then the VPs and then the senior VPs and then the directors in there have a call and I'm not on the call and their managers are on the call and they just get together and they just talk. And I hear stuff that comes out of the calls like, well, me and my group, we've been talking about this and we don't like it. And and not that they're complaining, but they are. and, And that's okay. Like they're just sharing what they would be sharing if they were all in the same office going out to lunch. But now they're not in the same office anymore. They're all at home. And so by having a regular call where the manager's not over listening, and they're just really able to be honest with one another about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're going through, I think has been pretty cool as far as connectivity goes. I really feel any organization, they should have peer groups like regularly meeting and established like you're part of this peer group. And then we have a leader for each peer group or two leaders, depending on the size of the peer group, for each peer group. And those leaders are responsible for regularly scheduling the calls so that we keep this momentum going. But I think it's great because when you're in a peer group and you're separated in 20 different home offices across the country, you have no idea what the shared experiences is supposed to be. Like, are you getting a perk that I should be getting? Are you getting a promotion that I should be getting? Have you figured out your work in order to get it done in six hours instead of eight that maybe I should be doing so that I can hit the gym or I can go for a walk and I'm not so stressed out? And that will not happen if you don't program that time for people to talk and to share. I think that's Uh, brilliant. Yeah. And not be afraid of the feedback. Right. There's no fear. Yes. Calls are not recorded. Yeah. And it's just totally free and without retribution at all. You've created that safe space that would have happened if everybody was in an office together, talking in the hallways, talking in the offices. Yeah. But for me, and that's one thing I've learned, it came from my my manager, Chelsea. She's extraordinary at, at just bringing new ideas to the table that 
I kick myself. I'm like, why? Well, why didn't I think of that? And <laughs> so and you're I like, I, I could have totally thought of this. Yes, exactly. I yeah. totally could have thought of that. But I'm like, <laughs> part of me was like, well, is that really important? Everybody probably talks, and they know that we have an open culture, and they know that I don't care if people are talking, and and they know that I want people to just be themselves and be free. And as much as you want that to be, if you don't like create that structure around it. It just doesn't happen on its own. So it's important to create that structure, I think. Well, that structure goes against everything that at least our generation and generations before us understood, right? They're, That's right. Um, it's very uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what exactly. are they saying about me? Exactly. And what do I need to know? What's going to yeah, happen? Yeah. That and like, if they're bringing up problems and I don't hear about them, then I can't solve them. Yes. And it's like, I need to know, I need to hear what they're complaining about so I can help them. And I just have to let that all go. And it's like, no, I don't have to solve. This is one thing that parenting taught me. Actually, I think my daughter actually just said this to me one day and it, it was brilliant. She was complaining about something and she's 17 going on 18. This was a year or two ago. And she was just sharing and I was going into like solution mode. Like, okay, you're hurting. This didn't go well. How can we fix this so it doesn't happen again? And she just stopped me and she's like, dad, I just, I don't need you to solve this. I just need you to listen to me. Like, and so that changed my life because I'm like, okay, when my kiddo comes up to me and she's had a bad day, I don't need to do anything about it. I just need to listen and nod my head and be like, ah, that sounds like it really sucked. Like, I am so sorry. And that's all they want to hear. Like, they don't want to hear like, well, don't do that next time because you could have not had that happen to you because that does not help them at all. Um, (laughs) So I've been practicing that a little bit at work too. Like I don't always have to solve the problem. Sometimes people just want to be heard. And I think that's important. That's beautiful. I do love that. And Rod, one thing that you mentioned a few moments ago that really stands out for me, especially from the leadership standpoint for leaders of companies or organizations, is that your focus is on making sure that you're providing something that 80% of the people will be okay with, right? Like 80% of your employees. And I think that's huge. And you have those two segments of the 10 and 10. And I think oftentimes we leaders will focus on that 20%, right? I can't ever get this segment or this group or this one employee to ever participate or be engaged or actually be satisfied that we did enough or that we're trying. So giving yourself really that permission to provide the best value for the greater good, right? So 80% of us, we are going to plug in, we're showing up 100%. We're working when we're working and we're playing when we're playing and we're all going to continue to just be successful together collectively and not letting that 20% keep you up at night because that's huge. That's right. Yeah, that 20% can keep you up at night. The other big thing, and I actually had this printed on a canvas and I had it mounted and it's like in my office next to my light switch is that we need to stop expecting ourselves from other people. And that has been something that has just, I had a coach work with me and us a couple of years ago by the name of Denise Thomas. And she's this extraordinary woman who said that to me and said that to all of us. She's like, stop expecting yourself from other people. Mm -hmm. And I had to think about that for a minute. I'm like, wait, how is that possible? Like, because... I want everybody to be doing their jobs better and to be working hard and to be following the company standard. And it took a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I stop expecting myself from other people? 
But then that transcended into my personal life. And even with my husband, I have started, I do that more and more every day where it's like, okay, I'm the kind of person that cannot leave a dirty dish in the sink, even overnight. If somebody in my family leaves a glass in the sink, am I going to be okay the next morning? I think I'm going to be okay. And maybe I don't need to stress about the glass that was left in the sink because somehow it will make its way into the dishwasher Mm -hmm. and life will be okay. Same kind of thing at work. It's like, okay, even if people don't do things exactly in the way I think they should do them, if they do them in their own way, yes. and they, I know that they're extraordinary because I hired them in the first place because they're extraordinary, then I think we're going to be okay yeah. if I stop expecting myself from them. Yes. And I just let them be who they want to be and bring their own extraordinary self to the game. I was somewhere a couple of weeks ago and somebody told me a story that really resonated with me. And she said that when she brings her most extraordinary and true self to a conversation, mm-hmm. like the best person you can be, your most authentic self. Mm-hmm. And then that person that you're talking to also does the same thing and brings their most extraordinary self to a conversation, that space in the middle that's created And at the same time, you're both not judging each other and not expecting yourselves from each other. Yes. That's a big concept. So just think about that for a minute. You are bringing your best self. You're not expecting anything from the other person. They're bringing their best self. They're not expecting any part of them from you. Yeah. And the space that's created in between is rather magical. Yeah. And so I want my company, we're on a journey and we're not there yet. Because people are just, especially of our generation, it's just beat into you to like expect yourself from other people. Like Mm -hmm. that's what we're trained to do. Yes. It's just, I mean, it's just who we were trained to be. To get out of that mindset and to just start just accepting people, even when you're running a company and you're like letting that go. And then when somebody comes forward with a conversation and they're being authentic and you can be authentic back. Yeah. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah. I think those are the most magical conversations that you can have. And you probably have such a deeper connection if you can have conversations in that space. And I think we've all probably had those conversations because when you walk away from that conversation, there's just this feeling that you feel like you're like, wow, that was amazing. That was totally. And so, wow, how exciting. That phrase, we need to stop expecting ourselves from other people, parenting, relationships, leadership, co-workers, being human. I mean, just fill in the blank. Like that equates to every interaction with any human. I don't mean to get religious, but I was at church this past Sunday and we've been going back to church and I have just never liked singing at church. That's just my thing. I don't like... The, the key that's picked, it's not right for my voice. I don't know what it is. Like, it's always just not right for my voice. And so I just don't like singing. And so I was talking to Jeff and I was telling him the other day, I'm like, I am 52 years old. When we go to church, I just don't want to sing. I'm just going to stand and listen to the music and enjoy it. But I am not going to be singing because I am 52 and I can make that choice for myself. Yes. And I would love for you to be okay with me not singing. And I took a couple conversations. I was going to say, that is a huge ask. It's a big <laughs> ask. A huge ask. <laughs> it's a big ask. It's a big ask. Yeah. And so I'm just like, yeah, it, it goes back to just like, stop expecting yourself from other people. Like, 
he was expecting me to sing. And I'm like, no, I just don't want to be singing in this moment. So anyway, it's, I did find Jeff too, a little too late in life, but I'm so glad that I found him. One of the very first conversations we had when we met was along those lines of not expecting yourself from other people. We we made a commitment on our second meeting that we would accept each other for who we are and all our flaws. And so, and we would be honest about the flaws and there are many and we will just love each other for whatever those flaws are. And we did, I mean, our second date, our first date alone and our second date was at Jay's Bistro in Fort Collins. And it was the table at the round banquet right by the bar and we okay. had that conversation and it's stuck with us since that day. And it's super important. Like in any relationship, business yeah. or personal, you have to be yourself. And if you're with anybody that's not allowing you to be yourself, then you have some reflecting to do, you know, because those people are out there mm-hmm. that allow you to be who you want to be. Yeah, they absolutely. really are. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Rod, you shared as well that when you were attending Cornell, that coming out was not the thing to do at that time. And you have a fabulous partner now. And when I think about, and I guess fortunately or unfortunately, when I hear stories, especially those that come out of the LGBTQ plus community, and you couple that with resiliency, I mean, there are story after story of resiliency when you when you hear that. I don't know if that was part of your story, but I'd love to hear how was that for you, your experience? Because it, if I'm understanding correctly, it wasn't during college. Is that right? No, I yeah. didn't come out until I was 29. Um, okay. I don't know. It was, it was tough. Like I remember back when I was, some of my earliest memories, I was like four or five years old. My dad lived in this neighborhood of called Table Mesa in Boulder. And and the kids in the summer, I would literally bring the neighborhood kids together and I would orchestrate weddings in our front lawn. I would have the chair set up. I'd have an aisle. I'd find a boy and a girl to get married. And that's what I would do. Like, and so I told my dad and I'm like, so when I came out, it wasn't a big surprise. And he's like, Rod, it wasn't a big surprise. Like we knew, we knew. So for me, it was like, gosh, back then, like being out, it was just not okay. It was weird. It just wasn't okay. When I did finally come out, it was, it was at a time where I was just, I was just personally ready. I met somebody that didn't end up working out in the long run, but, but obviously he was out and we had enough in common that we made it work for a while. But I did end up finding my company, which I now own, my original partner was very forward thinking. He was accepting one of our women partners at the time was an out lesbian. She to this day is an extraordinary consultant. He was just very like, he was just a cool dude. And then when I transferred to the Boulder office at the time, my Boulder office manager was also just a super cool dude. And he was super forward thinking. And Boulder at the time was just a very open and welcoming community. So it just worked. And then just through my life experiences, I got to that point in my life where it's like, I don't effing care what you think about me. Like, it just means nothing to me. If you don't like it, if you do like it, like, I just don't care. And you can just pivot around me if you want, but you don't need to be in my life. It's your choice whether you want to be in my my life or not. I I was blessed that my whole family accepted me for who I was. Half of them already knew. And they were just thankful that I finally figured it out and just came out with it. And then I happened upon a first partner who 
I adopted my girls with and had the journey with him. And then I ended up with my my husband, husband, 10 years later, who I've been with now for almost 14 years. And he's just an extraordinary human. So I surround myself with people that are rather extraordinary. Even in my company, like the first, one of the first three interview questions that are asked, there's three questions that are asked before you even get to the interview stage. And it says, this is a gay owned company. Mm. Will you have a problem? Will this be a challenge for you? So you know, coming in, like, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, like, I am relatively conservative. I consider myself Christian adjacent. My husband is a Christian. I'm adjacent. And we go to church and I'm accepting of all people. I have family members that are Republican. I have family members that are Democrat. I'm brown. My dad was white. Like, or my dad You just challenge everyone's biases. They are just, they don't know what to think, which is great. I think throw the curveball. Yes. (laughs) I'm loving of all people. Um, Yes. But but there's, there is a segment of population that doesn't agree with that. So those people end up, they typically end up leaving my company and finding a place that's a better fit for them. But the whole gay thing has been a journey. I moved into a neighborhood that has 300 to 400 homes three years ago, and we're still, to this day, the only gays in the neighborhood. But everybody that I've met that's in my world in this neighborhood, super conservative to super liberal, has been very accepting and loving. And I love that about Colorado. And I love that about where I live, is that even though you are different than me, you can love me and I can love you back. And I think that's what I hang my hat on is that love can trump everything. If you can just open up your heart to that and just, again, not expecting yourself from other people. Like if you can really think about that and own that and be like, okay, well, Rod's going to be different and he might not conform to my idea of what things should be like, but I'm going to love him and he's going to love me back. It all ends up working out in the end. If you can do that. What a beautiful world we would live in if everybody could take a page from your playbook. Thank you. (laughs) I agree with that. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with the listeners? I would just say my last words of wisdom would be to remember to treat your life as a special gift that you've been given and your health. It's as the most extraordinary gift that you've been given. And so resilience only comes with wellness and understanding that if you can put your own health first, then truly you can be resilient. Because if you end up going down a road of not treating your body as the temple that has been gifted to you, then ultimately in time, you won't be resilient. And change does not have to be radical to be meaningful. It can just be gradual. And so that's key. It's just gradual change. Treat your body like an extraordinary thing that it is. And then you'll truly be resilient in the end. I love that. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing. It's been fun. And we will put information if people want to reach out to you or interested in learning more about your company. We'll put that in the show notes. And any final words, Natalie? Well, I mean, I don't know how many people had hotel investment on their radar before we started the show, but now they know more about hotel investments and Rod. So I think that it has been fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story and giving us insight in like behind the scenes with your business, with the company, because just even the key pillars and how you all operate and how you work 
and serve your employees and the, the people on your team as just as a fabulous leader that creates this welcoming sense of belonging is really beautiful. So hopefully our listeners were able to take some notes and some ahas and takeaways that they can apply or even just apply into their own personal lives. I have a ton of notes as usual. I learn so much every every episode. I learn so much. So I'm so grateful for you and pers- sharing your story and some insight into your business as well. So thank you, Rod. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up another episode of Reignite Resilience. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. As Pam mentioned, we will share Rod's contact information in the notes so that you can get a hold of him if you'd like to learn more about him or HVS. Again, he is president of the HVS Americas. And so thank you again, Rod. And if you are interested in diving deeper with Reignite Resilience and you are interested in subscribing to Reignite Resilience, make sure that you check out the subscription page so that you can learn more, catch some of our newsletters and information about some of the books that we're reading this year. We are already on track. I think we're three books in and it's exciting. We're excited to bring all of that information to all of you. So until next time, continue to ignite the fire within. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Reignite Resilience. We hope that you had amazing ahas and takeaways. Remember to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, like it and download the upcoming episodes. And if you know anyone in your life that is looking to continue to ignite their resilience, share it with them. We look forward to seeing you on our future episodes. And until then, continue to reignite that fire within your hearts.